You have arrived at your destination. in a post do you see this no let's look yeah hold on let me open up my instagram get it going now i'll tell you this i uh updated my instagram today okay do you ever do dark mode on your phone you know mine won't do dark mode it's Uh, like it's like a cheap yeah it's a cheap iphone and so the os won't do life well i don't want to tell you i don't want to tell you this no i know how great it is yeah it's like first of all Let's let's talk about practical level. Let's do. Let's talk about it. The black backgrounds yeah. save your battery. Ah, uh, yeah. It saves your battery. Of course. It's Sec- great. Second of all, yeah. It's just a pleasure on the eyes. Yeah. It is better. It's significantly it's better. Better all around. And uh Instagram just updated yeah. the black mode. Yeah. I'm sure other people have been using I just don't update my apps ever. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I knew it was a thing for a long time, but I am unable to use it. I will be. My phone's like shading yeah. out on me anyway, so I'll be getting a new one before long. It's about time. Uh, that said, we did. Oh, we're just going to call people out when they do this because it's great. Yeah. Someone what, tagged what's up, us. idiots? <laughs> Someone tagged us. Well, this is some sort of promotional thing, I think. I don't think this person knows who we are at all, <laughs> if I had to guess. Um, hold on. Are you seeing what mine's, we're tagged in here? Mine's just acting all... Um, okay, hold on here. It's popping up. Okay. Emily Mabry Creative. Yeah, that's that's the account. I don't know. It's this a very long quote. Note to self. Yeah. You were created for a glorious destiny. Mm-hmm. Don't hide what's meant to be seen. Yeah. Don't shrink back because you're unique. Don't you do it. Let God's light shine through you so that you, the world may know his beauty through your life. I mean that's why I'm doing this episode today. Yeah. So no, I think I think that, that was an, that good. I think that was an accidental tag. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but thanks. Yeah, that's fine because we have creative in yeah. the name probably. Uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and oh, we'll throw them a like. We'll throw them one like. Yeah. Why not? Like it. Tag us in some more stuff. We'll read it on the podcast. Um, so I read an article today about <laughs> Instagram that uh, okay. the CEO, um, due to an mm-hmm. episode of Black Mirror, yeah. Um, Instagram has been playing around with the idea and already trying it out in um, what's it called beta uh-huh to where you can't see likes publicly interest where when you, you like something you just you just follow the people you want to follow you like it so in that case it's uh you can see your own but you can't see yes. anyone else's oh you can't see anyone else's you can't see anyone yeah. else's likes so yeah. that's the idea is that like yeah I guess that episode you know the one I'm talking about yes with, I do. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Interestingly, I'm going to show that episode to my philosophy class this semester. Nice. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Uh, yes, but that makes sense. That which which is actually really encouraging. The idea that maybe a CEO of a company yeah might want to uh, play with the idea of not going in a dark way. Yeah. Even though that the thing that people love about Instagram is yeah. that dopamine of how many likes you get. Of how many likes you get. Like, yeah. Pl- toying with the idea that like maybe that's not a good See, thing we're doing that's interesting i wonder if it would show i mean you may know this it would it show you the number of likes that a photo got even if it didn't show you who did it do you know what i'm saying like could it give you that abstract number and not 
right show you who it was or something i don't know maybe i don't know yeah i don't know how it works that's interesting though because one of the things that has uh come out of discussions about that episode is the uh chinese government is instituting something called like social a social credit system or something like that which looks very much like what was happening in there like you get rated you get upvotes and downvotes in some capacity it's like red dead redemption yeah it's like your honor system <laughs> yeah yeah but the thing is you might get better deals on hotel rooms or something like this if you have enough credit or you might not um yeah. but they can even track like if you're buying products that are in line with what the government would like you to be buying things like right. that so it's very unfortunate <laughs> it's cool cool china <laughs> cool china yeah way to way to be um anyway so i don't know why i haven't thought of this before but sure and what's up doc <laughs> that's very good that's good I don't, I, I don't know why you haven't thought of that no either. i'm not sure i thought of it yeah. as as i was plugging this mic in okay today yeah well i'm glad we finally got there yeah also welcome everybody to the common creatives podcast uh you made it i'm doc doctor and that is the maestro i am there. the maestro yeah i'm um, coming to terms with that like it Which, feels a little less pretentious now. The maestro? Now, now it just feels like... It's just true. Well... You're the maestro. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think I can I think uh-huh. I think can see it as like a silly thing to say. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. it felt it felt like you were taking yourself too seriously yeah. at first? Yeah, like oh, you're, okay. you are literally a doctor. Uh-huh, sure. And I am literally a composer. Yes. But normally a maestro yeah. is a really highly regarded thing to say. Like oh, okay. in the film world, yeah. they call john williams the maestro oh interesting really you know? okay um, yeah hey maestro yeah you're john williams sure it's like a hierarchy thing yeah whereas here i'm like <laughs> yeah right i'm no john williams i see yeah. yeah of course um no i think it's good but it is just the two of us in it the is room. just the two of us no one's gonna hear this yeah it's fine <laughs> no one he- yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> too real um my mom asked me uh, over christmas she said when are you guys gonna do another one <laughs> I said, Mom, I, I set it up to where like you're subscribed and everything. They just pop oh, up. She's that's like, great. Well, how many have you done? At the that's time, I'm like, so good. Eight or nine are yeah. up. She's yeah. like, Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> Technology. She yeah. was just waiting. That's great. Just waiting for me to tell her. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I talked to my dad the other day, and he was. I was like, Hey, how's it been going? What have you been doing? And he said, Well, I've learned a lot more about Rob Zombie than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we're we're recording this on the day that our Jordan Peele episode came out. So yes. I'm interested to see how folks yeah. like that. I really enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed doing that episode a lot. Yeah, yeah. it was really good. Yeah. Um we have we're as as was the case last time, we're almost recording um one at a time and releasing one at a time. We don't have this big bank of episodes. Yeah. Um we did that. We did and that then, for a little uh, while, yeah. And then, then life happens. Then Sometimes <laughs> life gets in the way. <laughs> it's true. It's true, though. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a good one coming out next week, and then I guess this one will be after that. So, yeah. Cool. So, what are we talking about today in uh, the common creatives space? We're talking about another filmmaker. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's in the title, y'all. Don't. Yeah, you know. Don't act like you're you know waiting. Come on. Um, There's no suspense. So Ari Aster. Ari Aster. Ari Aster yeah. is a uh, new up-and-coming name in uh, really in horror filmmaking and the yeah. horror movie business. Yep. Um, critically acclaimed. Doing really well. Definitely. Two features under his belt and mm-hmm. something like six or seven or eight 
short films. Yeah. And big features, right? Both did well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Both, both did very did. well in every aspect, to mm-hmm. my understanding, especially critically. But yep. yeah, so Ari Aster was, um, as you said, he he went to American Film Institute. Yep. Right for AFI. his for his learning. Um, he was born in like eighty six ish, something like that, which is wild. Yeah. Um, because so are we. So are we. And here he is. <laughs> here he is. It's one of those things where it's himself. like your first thought is like you yeah. know he was probably like. 30, 31 when yeah. Hereditary came out, his right. first movie. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, like somebody around my age doing it. Well, like, right. that's great. That's great. Yeah. And then like two years pass uh-huh. and you're like, okay, now we're all 33 and he's got two out. Like, yeah. and here I am. I know. I know. What an idiot. This bastard out making something of himself. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, oh, he, God. He, he, um, the, so I told Joe this going in. I said this to you before we got on mic and that is... This is the least amount of notes that I've ever had for an episode. I've got quite a bit. I got that's, quite a bit of notes. That's really great. I have one page, uh, and a lot of it is quotes. Oh, I've so. got probably less than a page. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then at least you got quite a bit, though. You yeah, I'm quite a big a fan of this guy, though. Yeah, you yeah. got plenty to say about this dude. Uh, we talked a little bit about him on our uh, Rob Eggers uh, yeah. episode, if you guys heard that one. And I kind of feel like Robert Eggers is... Uh, came up and is the equivalent to this guy as far as success as far as uh his stature yeah in in the genre Mm -hmm. um and uh kind of doing interesting things in the genre yep um but they there's like an interesting venn diagram of these two two filmmakers they're not the same they're not the same by any means and i feel like robert eggers leans more into will's uh aesthetic he definitely and i think ari aster leans more into mine that's interesting yeah Yeah, i want to i want to explore that so let's run through some of his works let's you want to start there or is there anything you want to say i didn't get much like biographical information i'm primarily Um, looking at like no um if anything a couple things i read when he was a kid he uh didn't necessarily want to be a director, but uh-huh. he did want to write. Yeah, he saw. Remember, was it Dick Tracy? Is Dick that what Tracer, you were going to say? Yeah. Dick Tracy is yeah. a four-year-old kid. I loved that movie when I was. It's um, so strange that he would have seen that movie at the age that I would have been right, when I saw exactly. that movie as well. Uh, that's um, very bizarre. And uh, it's you know there are some really, especially for a really young person, some yeah. really striking yeah. images in that movie. Yeah. And uh, apparently, as a four-year-old kid in the theater. It scared him so bad yeah. that he got up out of his seat and ran several city blocks with his mother <laughs> screaming yeah. away from the theater. Yeah. Um, got a little bit older, uh-huh. kind of got a, obsessed with the idea of a horror movie mm-hmm. um, and just wore out the, I think he lived in New York, Yeah, um, just wore out his local uh, video store. He said he consumed everything he could get his just hands on. Just anything he could find. Um, yeah. And uh, so going into school, he wanted to be a writer. Um, and any screenwriter knows very well that once the screenplay is done, um, the writer sometimes is shown respect by the, the crew, the producers and the director, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's like, okay, thanks for writing this, you know, kind of, uh, (laughs) uh, blueprint as to what we're going to do. This is his movie now. It's no longer yours. Right. We'll take it from here. We'll take it from here. The director's going to take it make it his own, probably write it again, Yeah, go through it again and rewrite it. Do rewrites, yeah. And uh, it's just kind of up to them what they want to do. And he, once he learned that, he was like, 
yeah, I guess I'm going to have to be a director guess too. I got to direct, yeah. Because in his mind, it's like the screenplay is the movie. Yeah. Right? Which is very interesting because he is very much a visual director in a lot of ways. And yes, do you know what I mean? Uh, And I don't know if it's as much visuals. It's not visuals in the sense of like Wes Anderson or something, but it's visuals in the sense of like mood. Somehow he gets mood out of angles and pacing and stuff. That's true. And I think I think he even in an interview I read, he even says that like, you know, when you're writing the screenplay, you do all of the work with character and plot and everything. And he's like, honestly, when I go into pre-production and into production and then into post yeah he's like the story's done he's like i finished the story i finished the characters and i finished the plot with the screenplay he's like that doesn't change he's like now i shift into uh aesthetic yeah uh mood yeah pacing just vibe yeah um and that really comes through with the visuals the lighting Mm -hmm. um the score. The score. Big yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, do you want to just start chronologically or do you want to jump into one of his features first? Because he doesn't have an enormous body of work. I think we can you know, talk about yeah. most of what he's done yeah, let, in a little depth. Yeah, I think we start with the features. That's so. kind of what people know. Okay, um, cool. So, so the, his two features are Hereditary and Midsummer or Midsommar. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, say, a mid, I'm a Midsummer. Yeah, I'm going to say Midsummer the whole um, time. So. Yeah. Because um, I don't want to slow down. Um. So those are the two. Which which do you want to talk about first? I'll start with Hereditary. Okay, it's his first. It's his, it's his uh, yeah. debut. Yep. I think what's interesting about Hereditary is that uh, by the time he eventually got the movie made, um, mm-hmm. he had already written something like ten or eleven feature screenplays, yeah. all different genres. Yeah. He's kind of a a, a child or a, a student of like kind of the great filmmakers. Definitely. Um, to where like just like just like Eggers, he's like. Could come off a little pretentious. Absolutely. Um, and he's the, a film school kid. He's a film school kid. And he kid. can go toe-to-toe with that stuff, right? Yeah. He can quote obscure directors and all yeah. this kind of thing. It's like, if it ain't black and white, then why are you like yeah. watching it? Why are you like, watching it? Yeah, exactly. Not, not completely true. But and like, the thing is, one thing that I think is really cool is like, you don't have to do that homework to enjoy his films. Yes. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. But it's... but absolutely the fact that he has done that homework and that he understands things and the tradition of filmmaking at that depth makes his work better yeah and it doesn't matter if you know who ingmar bergman is or not yes you can enjoy hereditary yeah right if mm-hmm. you enjoy that type of movie <laughs> i don't know that it's yeah. enjoyable we'll talk about that yeah, but we'll talk about that yeah so um, he's definitely he's deep in the weeds with this stuff he, he knows is. his and, craft and normally that type of thing like i re- i rebel and repel against that a little bit the sort of pretension yeah and we, thing. we yeah. talked about it with like martin scorsese with yep. like the whole marvel thing definitely like, and i don't dislike martin scorsese and his films anymore yeah um but there is something about you know and we've talked about this a hundred times on this podcast of course. this is your first one like yeah we've talked about this a hundred times used but to it when it comes to like the idea of like kind of like pulp not the movie but pulp fiction yeah just sort of low art Right, plot based, just, schlock, basically. Yeah, just like, yeah. just fun, yeah, visceral, fun adventure or horror or sci-fi yeah. or just pulpy. Well, like, yeah. listen, guys, there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, of course. One of my favorite comedies is Super Bad. It's a like, great one. I love that classic. Movie. Yeah, um, and I would argue that like that's a craft, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that being said, mm-hmm. I also love 
Ari Aster and what he does. Yeah. It um, doesn't have to be one or the other. No, it's not it mutually exclusive. Definitely. So he would consider himself an auteur. Mm-hmm. You know, and an auteur, the definition of an auteur, um, you know, I think varies depending on who you who you ask. Yeah. Um, but essentially what it means now is you wrote the movie that you're now directing. Yeah. Um, sometimes you act in it. Um, yeah. But really, it just kind of means a writer-director. Yeah. And and doesn't it have the flavor, to some extent, of a particular film, you knowing that the particular film is a work of that auteur, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you could style, write... Style, right? Yeah, style. Yeah. It has a clear, like, you know, like a Wes Anderson. It's clear when it's a Wes Anderson movie. You know right. what I mean? It reads as, that's his project. Yeah. Um, uh, or something I don't remember like who said it. It may have been Orson Welles, but he's uh-huh. like, you know... Um, plagiarizing yourself over and over again is style mm. <laughs> yeah um yeah. so it, it, sure. it, it you know eventually the things that you just keep are yeah. drawn to and you keep kind of ripping yourself off sure. it's like that becomes style it becomes style and it's not and to say a, that it's not to say that that's done well every time i mean we tread some of that ground when we talked about tim burton and some of the some of yeah. his films where we didn't think they were successful all that to say that's where ari aster falls right yeah within that sort of auteur paradigm so hereditary Let's talk about this. Whew. Uh, <sighs> you remember? You remember where you were when the first time you saw? I absolutely do, and I have a I have a fun story to talk about it. So when yeah. when this film was coming out, I we're going to spoil this movie. We are going to spoil everything that we've seen of his. Yeah. So uh, that said, I remember when trailers for this film were coming out. I was so excited about this. I didn't know who Ari Aster yeah. was. And I I knew the A twenty four logo. Yeah, and I knew that they had been attached to some movies that I was really into. Yeah, so A twenty four is um, moving in to be a production studio as well right. as just a distribution distribution studio, mm-hmm. but they're known for just going to the film markets and buying up just the dopest yeah. movies, like just essentially being cool. essentially being curators. Curator, right? they're they're the yeah. they have very interesting taste and when it's an a24 movie i go see it absolutely (laughs) you know because you know that they have good taste so i remember seeing the previews uh coming out i was so excited it looked like a great scary you know haunted house film almost it looked like yeah i didn't know what it was um i ended up seeing it uh with kendra at the drive-in actually so i saw it at the drive which is not how i would recommend seeing it the first time no she saw none of this movie she didn't like it she was hidden under a blanket the whole time. Right. And in but, the drive-in, I could imagine... Yeah. Like, were you using the, the radio? Yeah, the radio. You didn't have the stupid speaker. Didn't little, have the stupid speaker, no. Because, like... Yeah. The, the movie, you need to be kind of immersed yes. in this movie to... It's true. Yeah. It, it hit you a lot harder. And when yeah. I saw it the second time, it hit me a lot harder. Right. Um, that said... I think to some extent I had a better experience of this movie because I didn't see it as intensely the first time. Sure. So I'll get into why, but... Many of Ari Aster's themes that show up over and over, hereditary included, are themes that I don't particularly enjoy exploring, right? right? Sure. I mean, his movies are about anxiety, depression, psychological trauma, stress. Yeah. Um, you um, know what I mean? A it's, lot of yeah. uh, uh, family turmoil. Family turmoil, depression, abuse. So, yeah. And real quick, just to, just to throw this in there, and we were talking, you know, you were talking like that, you know, his his big thing was kind of mood and tone and sure. atmosphere yeah. and visual storytelling. Right. And although that's true, I think yeah. that one of the main reasons that I latch on to this, this filmmaker uh-huh. more so yeah. is that like the way he um, writes and uh, 
executes like the human condition yeah is some of the most real visceral yeah stuff i've ever seen on screen yeah um and a lot of that is character dynamics character first that's what i was gonna say yeah so um you know how i am about my character of course you love character um and i well we'll talk about this with midsummer but he's quoted and saying like he's like well plot's fine he's like he's like whenever you you have a horror movie you essentially know what's going to happen i'm more interested in the character dynamics yeah um yeah but that falls more on midsummer true because if we're rewinding to hereditary yeah you think you know what's going to happen. Exactly. And I also want to throw this in there. If you've been watching horror movie trailers for the last three years, mm-hmm. Hereditary started a new trend. So mm-hmm. like, you, you, there are lots of trends in trailers yeah. going all the way back to the Inception. Yeah. In horror, it's been a click, 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 click these just little creaky poppies and the reason the hereditary trailer was so interesting to me was i'd never seen a trailer like that Uh um and now any horror movie they all do it yeah they have ticks and (laughs) clicks and yeah and uh hard hard cuts from dark to light and yeah everything that hereditary did yep they just copy it because it worked because it worked but i think the thing that he did so well with this movie and he said it was deliberate with the marketing. Uh-huh. So their intention was to make a creepy kid movie. Yes. In the marketing. Yes. So if you watch the trailer, true, you, th- you think you're about to watch The Omen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just a movie about a creepy kid. Yeah. Because they, they cast the the young act actor, actress, the young uh, woman who has a very interesting face, right? Right. And... Uh, is a, apparently a Broadway actor. Like I looked this up, she played Matilda, I think, on I think Broadway you're right, or something yeah. like that. Uh, but nevertheless, you see her, and they like make her look more sort of idiosyncratic than she even does, right? Right, with makeup and everything. And you definitely do think it's going to be about something is wrong with this little girl, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And that's yeah. not necessarily untrue, right? But, but it's regarding not, plot, yeah, that's they, that's not the gist of the movie, yeah. Um, so my, I, I went and first saw this movie with my dad. Um, mm-hmm. he, he works up here in Louisville periodically and he always says, Hey, I'm, I'm free this night and this night. And we always yeah. go see a movie. Yeah. Uh, regardless of if it's something we want to see or not, we always see something. Just make a ritual out of um, it. Yeah. So there are times where like, I'm like, okay, dad, we're going to see this. And I'm like, yeah, I think he, he's, I think this seems like a cool movie. I think he's going to be into this. He likes all kinds of movies. He's yeah. like, he likes horror, superhero, uh, sci-fi, anything. Mm-hmm. He, he he ended up getting rid of Netflix because he kind of wore it out. <laughs> like, yeah. He's that kind of... Watched them all. Yeah, he's that <laughs> kind of like movie watcher. We're sitting in there watching this movie. Didn't know what we got ourselves into. Um, you have this family dynamic of just tension yeah. and f- this feeling of this mother who kind of doesn't really love her son and she's disconnected with her husband yeah and their her her mother just passed away and um her daughter seemingly has a lot of issues a lot yeah. of trouble is troubled yeah. troubled um and some of that is because presumably i mean the film opens at the funeral for the mother yes and so the mother's not really in the film but her presence hangs over yes. the entire thing it sets the tone yeah for everything that follows you know so we're, we're sitting there watching this movie and it's like 
this movie's kind of like feels like a bummer. Yeah. And then the peanut allergy scene happens. So yeah, yeah. this older brother um, has been drinking, smoking marijuana with his sister at this party with him, just like having a good time. And she doesn't know what to do with herself. She's just yeah. an introvert, whatever. Eats like I don't remember if I can't remember if it was it's cake. That cake yeah. that had peanuts it's in cake. it. Cake, yeah, it had some sort of nut in it. And uh, uh, yeah. she starts to uh, choke. Yeah. So he freaks out. Yep. He's like stoned, probably buzzed. Yep. Freaking out. Freaking out. Starts to drive his sister towards the hospital. Um, flying down the road. Flying down yep. the road. Just and, and She's in the back seat, choking. Her throat she, is swelling up. She can't breathe. Yeah. She opens the window for air. Yeah. And then yep. you just hear this big thunk. Yep. And you see up until the moment that it happens, right? So yeah. for those who haven't seen it but are still listening, there's a telephone pole outside, the lone telephone pole the one, in yeah. essentially the desert. Uh, and she leans out of the window and it takes her head off. Takes her head off. Yeah. Um, and this is like like going into like maybe just into the second act where this isn't yeah. the end of the movie. No, no, it's early um, on. So this is the, yeah. the twist that is this movie. It's yes. like, okay, so she's now dead. Yes, the thing he does so well in this in, in the edit of this is her head comes off, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> and her lifeless body's just sitting in the back of the, yep. the seat. The camera stays on this kid's on the brother. face, the yeah. brother's face. Mm-hmm. And he's just staring kind of right past the lens. Yeah. And he's like kind of coming down from what just happened. And he's just staring forward. And you can just see like anything, anytime you've experienced something in your life where you've done something and you know you can't take that back. Yeah. Um, yep. Whether it's a big thing or not. Yes. It's irrevocable. It's you irrevocable. Yeah. And he hooks your your brain and yeah. your, your soul right into that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you just follow this kid yeah. where he starts the car back, starts driving. Starts driving. What else he, can he do? He <laughs> gets out of the car when he gets home. Yeah. He goes to his bedroom. Yeah. He lays down in bed, just staring forward. The camera just stays on him. The night passes. The mother wakes up. He's still staying, staring forward. Yep. The mother goes outside Mm -hmm. to find her daughter. Yeah. Without a head, headless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she just screams in agony. You just hear that. You still see the brother's face the whole time. And he's just staring forward, and she's just screaming and just like he's traumatized. This idea of loss and and just grieving. I've never seen it like that. Yeah. In a movie. Yeah. And that that brings me to a point that I was. yeah. We, Dad and I were just sitting there, and we looked yeah. at each other like, what the hell do we come to see? Yeah, what is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that brings me to a point that I'll make later, which is uh, making more detail later, which is that Ari Aster is very good about, um, or one of his big strong tools is that showing characters grieving uh, works to make you feel some of that, right? And he Absolutely. does that. He does that sort of, you know, almost like mirror neuron thing, where it's like yeah. you seeing them do it makes you feel that way. He does that yeah. better than almost anyone, uh, in a Agreed. very merciless way. Yeah, um, and there's, but there's something about just how he imagines these scenarios and how yeah. he puts them on the page. Yeah, there is no disconnect between the human condition and yeah. how we feel trauma in this guy and yeah. how he he shows it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. It's not just sh- the performance of these characters, yep. which Tony Collette's performance oh, is phenomenal. Is, you yeah. know, the fact that she didn't get an Oscar for this movie is ridiculous. It is, it is. yeah. Um, but the way in which he develops these interconnected, like, because then your mind starts racing about, like, yeah. 
okay, she already hates this son. Yes. Okay, he just took the the last thing that she loved from yeah. her. Yeah. He's going. This is, this his is life will be gone, or his life will yeah. be different and ruined. Yes. For forever for from here on and out. this is two weeks after she just lost her mother who she had this very complicated relationship with all this kind of stuff and you essentially see in the wake of the death of this grandmother the death of the daughter essentially lets uh, is the spark which sort of unravels the family overall right yeah. i mean things get worse and worse and worse it's not a happy ending um to it the depend. film well, well it, it, depends. it depends let's talk so that's and that's what he's great at so let's talk about summer is yes is, is similar up to 11 yes so let's talk about hereditary um <coughs> hereditary is one of my favorite movies of all time that's the first thing to say out the gate the reason it achieves that status for me is the third act right so folks who haven't seen it we're obviously we said we we're going to spoil it the whole the the gist the takeaway right is that Tony Collette's mother was in this essentially demonic cult. Right. And they were going to call one of the kings of hell to earth through the little girl. Right. They end up calling it to earth through the sun. Um, after through, the little through, girl yeah, dies. Yeah, after the little girl dies, through a bunch of plot points, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But the third act takes a hard turn into supernaturalism. Supernatural, right? just straight genre. And you still have... It's still visceral. It's yes. still just... Yes, but it becomes a clearly supernatural demonic horror movie right. in the third act. And for me, that's what makes Same. it. You Same. know what I mean? And I've had I've had arguments with other, other people about this where like... Yeah. They they have been, you know, the third act just ruined the movie. Yes, like you've got this. Yes, you've got this great like tormented like uh-huh. family drama yes. thing, and yes. then you kind of like almost lighten it up. I'm like, dog, you don't want to lighten it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the matter with you? And that's the thing. I mean, that's you, why you just gave me permission to think that that little girl's head popping off yeah. is fun. Exactly. In a movie. Exactly. Yes, I can breathe a little bit with that. The last. little girl, like she was, she was Payman, a, a yes. demon king. She was a demon king. She was one of the kings of hell from the Keys of Solomon. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, thank goodness, everything's fine. <laughs> I can enjoy myself exactly. Now. Thank goodness, this is we're we're having fun here. We're we're pretending. Yeah. Um. And so, to some extent, that's why I latch onto that particular movie so much is because a lot of the themes that he digs into. I am going to need some artistic distance from those if you're going to want me to enjoy the piece of art. Doesn't mean that I can't think it's well done or a masterpiece, but if you want me to enjoy it, I watched that movie three times in the theaters, right? If that had just been a movie about (laughs) psychological trauma and mental illness, I would have watched it once, said maybe that was masterfully done and I never want to see it again. No, that's... You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Um, But it makes it pleasant that that it's... It makes it fun. As you yeah. said. And I think the most interesting thing about yeah. that idea is re- regarding this filmmaker is that yeah. he doesn't consider himself a horror filmmaker. Right. Which I get. You know, he likes horror movies. Yeah. Um, and actually, the reason he decided to move forward with Hereditary instead of uh, a, a ultra-dark comedy or, or just a straight-up family drama or whatever, he's yeah. got several other scripts ready to go. Yeah. Um, was because of what we talked about on the Jordan Peele episode, this idea of the boom in, in just people going to see horror movies. Yeah. Um, you know, your James Wands of the world and the mm-hmm. conjurings and just they're just making hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. off of like 
Small budgets. Small budgets, <laughs> small names, yeah. and just an interesting idea. So yeah. here he is thinking, okay, I can do that, but yeah. I'm not interested in just doing that. He's yeah. like, I don't want jump scares. Yes. I want real human catharsis. This is not The Conjuring. No. Hereditary is not The Conjuring. No. And I'm just picking that one out of a hat. I'm not trying yeah. to pick on it. but it's I really not, enjoyed The Conjuring. Sure, yeah, of course. But it's not the same level. No. And it's not the same thing. No. Um, maybe that's a better way to say it. It's not that they're different qualities necessarily. They're trying to do different things. Right. Uh, completely. And so... Ari Aster's not going to go direct Aquaman next. No, <laughs> absolutely not. To some extent, that's also why I think... Also why I think, I know he doesn't consider himself a horror director, but part of why I think his tastes sit really nicely in the horror genre is what other types of movies are you going to make about trauma and anxiety and yeah. stuff like that? You could make a straight drama if you yeah. wanted to. And, and I think he will. Yeah, I, I, think I, the next, I feel I, sure. I, I think he's going to make a really successful super dark comedy. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's going to make as much money yeah as these are yeah um definitely. because horror movies are just it's a built-in audience yeah it's like it's like yeah. a superhero movie in of the course. sense that like you know the next marvel movie is going to get x amount of people to watch it because it's because yeah. of the genre yeah well and so let's um can we use this as a way to to segue maybe we can sandwich his short films uh between the the big ones does that yeah. work for you or aster sammy Aster Sammy. So you were saying you think he'll make a drama at some point, and some yeah. of his short films yeah. fall into this space. So I'm really actually really interested and curious to see what he's going to do next. Yeah, um, because he's been very forthright, forthcoming yeah. about um, not making a horror movie next. It's not going to be horror. I haven't actually looked at the numbers regarding Midsummer. Um, Hereditary did pretty well. Yeah. Um, and Midsummer was critically acclaimed. I don't know how yeah. many, what what the box office number is. Yeah. But that box office number is going to dictate what he can do next. What he's able to. He yeah. might get put into a position where he has to just make another horror movie. Yeah. Um, if he wants to make another movie at that level. Um, at that level. Yeah. If he wants to play play around with like Tony Collette or even Florence Pugh, who is blowing up right yeah. now. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, that being said, yeah, the short the, films. Yeah, the short films. So. Uh, he made several short films. Some of these come out of his time at AFI. Uh, you can find them pretty much all online. Uh, the ones I watched to prep for this episode were... Um, let me make sure that I get the names right. It was The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, yep. which is his 30-minute sort of... It's like his capstone right. work at I, AFI yeah, or whatever. His thesis, thesis, yes, exactly, um, which is what got him an agent, from what I understand. Yeah, um, he also has um, other ones. He had one called Bo, which yeah. I watched. Um, which had, one was Bo? Bo was the one. It's the the same actor. Father, yes, the father actor from Johnson's, but he's in his room in his apartment, yeah. and it's, he's you concerned. Can just, you can tell the the production quality is like. Yeah. He's probably just him with a camcorder. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the amount of emotion that he's able to invoke just with that little thing, it shows you how talented he is. Yeah. I mean, it's about an individual. It's like six minutes long. Y'all can go watch it. It's B-E-A-U. And it's a six-minute long thing about a guy in his apartment who becomes more and more paranoid over the six minutes that people are trying to break into his apartment. At one point, he thinks a possum is trying to break into his apartment, and he sort of hooks up traps and things like this, and he never goes to sleep. And so it's this sort of surrealist... 
he's slipping into madness over about seven minutes. And the yeah. amount of tension that he's able to build in that seven minutes is impressive. Yeah. So he had that one. He had one called Munchausen. He had one called that I watched called The Turtle's Head. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah. And then one called C'est La Vie, which I also watched. Okay, uh, so you didn't see... Uh, I didn't see Basically. Let me... I mean, so we. I talked about Bo a little bit. Let me just say about The Turtle's Head is a really interesting one. Super interesting. So it starts out... Just to spoil it. It starts out as a sort of uh, noir detective story. And it yeah. has a couple, like, known actors in it. Um, it does, The yeah. lead, and then it's got uh, Jerry from Parks and Rec is in it yeah. for a minute there. But it starts out as this sort of noir thing where it's this private investigator and he gets a new case and he's yeah. he's objectifying the woman who's bringing the case this dame blah 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 he's talking about and it's all inner monologue and yeah. it's 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 super gross it's super gross yeah and, he's, you know he's, I'm, I'm first yeah. thing when i'm watching this i'm like okay Ugh. man where's this going yeah this has to go somewhere interesting because yeah. like you're really pushing this hard yeah so he's objectifying and talking about in his internal monologue how he wants to have sex with this new client. Then it cuts straight to a scene of him actually having sex with his secretary. Yeah. So he's just this misogynist monster, uh, but sort of a classic noir classic. PI at the same time because mm-hmm. that's in there. And then he goes to do some investigating. So I, th- what, I think the, the woman's husband w- had been murdered or yes. poisoned or something, something poisoned. like this by some um, corporation. And he's going to go check it out and get some yeah. evidence. And so he does. And he has two, uh, yeah, two people working under him. Two yeah. detectives working under him. Yeah, and they're like really intent and very <laughs> excited about s- some some uh, yeah. uh, stuff they found regarding the case. Yes, and he goes over to pee. Yeah, and freaks out. Freaks out, and you don't know why at first, but he runs. He goes, "I gotta go," and then he gets in his car and drives. And he goes to the doctor, and he asks the doctor if his penis has gotten smaller. Yeah, right. And the doctor says, and there are a couple of like just details in there that make it surrealist and bad. So like the doctor who is Jerry from Parks and Rec goes, yeah, it does look smaller. And then he pulls out pictures of the guy's penis from the last time that he visited. Yeah. And he says, did you take those? He says, I don't, do I remember you taking those? And the guy says, yeah, I took them. You remember me taking these. Yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. And it's just like adds this dreamlike quality. Yeah. That's just, it is this nightmare, right? He's right. depicting a nightmare. And so then the, the gist of it is it becomes this sort of body horror thing of this guy's penis shrinks up and then goes inside of him. Right. And um, then it's just gone. It's just gone. And he, like, there are scenes of him tying ropes to it to try to, like, yeah. Ugh. And it's just awful to watch and unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and, and all the while, yeah, these two other detectives working underneath him. Yeah, keep trying to say, "Hey, you won't believe this. This yeah. what we found yeah. at this scene." And then he's like, "No, no, 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 no." And he and then he goes back off to take yeah. care of his his, his yeah. himself. Yeah. And then even at the very end of it, after 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 he loses it, yes, he's laying just in, <laughs> just laying it. in his yeah. bedroom, and at the one of the last things you hear is. These two detectives just so psyched on the evidence they yes, found. Yes, exactly. And, and he's then, just laying there in bed, despondent, just, just yeah. nothing, you know. And then that's it. And you right? never find out the evidence. No, you it's never like, find it. It's just like that's a framing device to talk about him, I guess, losing his masculinity in right. physical ways, whatever. Um, it's a very strange, and it and it and it shows early on how Ari Aster can take a hard left in his stories, where yeah. you think you're watching one type of thing, and then all of a sudden. You're watching a different type of thing, which is right. what happens in Hereditary to some extent. Yeah. So 
should we talk about say la vie or you want to jump into the johnsons which um which is better say i, I want to talk a little bit about say la vie yeah. because what's so the the premise of say la vie is yeah it's it's all wide shots yeah of a homeless man mm-hmm. um talking directly to the camera it's all monologue all monologue yeah and he's just he's just ripping the world a new one yeah right um and it just keeps cutting to different uh different settings of him doing different things that you see homeless people doing Uh and it gets weirder and weirder and it's him talking about how the system's not fair and like how you know you think you're so good but you know you're just a couple days away from being me and etc etc yeah yeah and uh, you know, it even goes eventually gets, and it's been a while since I've seen this, but yeah. I, I want to say like he he like invades someone's home yes. and kills them. He does and, all the while still talking to the camera. Yeah, and, he um, invades someone's home. He also kills another guy and buries him out by his truck. Yeah, in one scene and all this stuff, and so it gets worse and worse. It starts out and he's just he's asking for change on the street. He's sleeping on the street, all this kind of stuff. Eventually, you have a scene where someone is shooting heroin into his arm. Yeah. Uh, then eventually he murders someone and buries them. And then, as you say, it sort of culminates with a home invasion, right? He's He has a leaf blower in front of his house at first, like he's working for the people, still monologuing to the camera the whole time. And then it sort of, the climax is he goes yeah. into this house with a gun and, and murders the family that's right. in there. So yeah. that all being said, yeah, that sounds very uh, just super dark and Horrific, awful yeah. to see. Yeah. But the way in which it's, it's written and performed yeah. Yeah. is actually quite funny. Yeah. Um, it's, in my opinion, a super dark comedy. Yeah. It makes um, you feel strange that you're, that there's any levity at all. Right. It shouldn't be. It should be um, awful. It's not, not horror. No, definitely um, not. Certainly not. But after seeing that, there was this little glimmer of, oh, I think I could see what he could do with a horror movie. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, a comedy. A comedy. Movie, yeah. You know, a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, He's not going to make a slapstick comedy. You know, no, he's go- absolutely the thing not. he makes is going to make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, it's very true. Um, and so w- was there any other uh, specific points you wanted to do about Say Lovey? Because I think that's no, a great yeah. segue. Let's, I mean, let's jump into the, the, the Johnson. And this is something that I want to dig into even after we talk about Midsummer, particularly. The things he is going to the things he is going to make are going to make you feel bad. Right. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. But so the thing that he was most known for before Hereditary, before his first feature, was this. uh, What was the word you used for? It's like his thesis for AFI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is a 30 minute short film called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll let you talk about this because you've seen this. I only watched this yesterday. So. Okay. I've only seen it once. Okay. Um, So the. (sighs) Whew. It's hard to talk about. It is. so it starts off uh with like a a very kind of like american family like a black yep. family yep um and uh upper middle class upper probably. middle class yeah. uh father accidentally walks in on his like 13 year old son yep. masturbating yep and the father he's like oh i'm sorry that's a very personal thing uh don't mind me and then he starts yep. he, he starts to walk away yep. stops himself goes into the room, sits down on the bed. Yeah. And he's basically just saying, listen, I don't want you to feel like, I really want to stress this. Like, yeah, the thing you're doing is okay. This is normal. This is normal. Yes. 
don't feel ashamed. Yes. It's, you know, I don't want it to be weird. Yeah. So I know it might feel weird that I'm talking to you about it right now, but it's very, very, he belabors the point. Yeah. Right. He just really with this point over and and all you're thinking is very normal. And you're kind of, you're in the kid's head and the kid's probably thinking like, please go, please just go. Right. Just leave. Just leave. Just leave. Yeah. The dad gets up and And, leaves. And and hold on. Okay. But before we get to the punchline of that scene, right. I do want to say that as this scene is unfolding, and maybe it's just because I know it's Ari Aster, right? But I feel like the fact that the dad belabors that point of, like, it's normal, he almost goes overboard. Like, he says, this right. is normal. And he says it so much that it already starts to build a little yeah, it, concern in the in the mind of the audience. Do you yeah, it, it unsettles a little bit. Even I, don't know how he, you, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does um, that either. But, but that's, it, yeah. it, it feels off. It feels off already. Yeah. Even though it's like it should, it's something about the way he composes it. It's just already I was a little tense even yeah. before I knew what was going on in this scene. Sure. So anyway, that so the, said, the father um, gets gets up, yeah. leaves the room, uh, cuts back, stays with the son. He had had a picture that he was using. Yes. Uh, the camera shows the picture. It's a picture of his father. Yeah. Okay. okay this is where God. this story starts that's the beginning of it yeah yeah and that's not that's not the darkest place it goes no um so in a nutshell <sighs> yeah um, that's probably best <laughs> yeah in a nutshell you know they go on that the son grows up yeah he gets married the dad never seems seems he he always seems stressed and weird yeah. in a nutshell what yeah. happens is it's a he flips the script on the idea that uh, a father yeah. sexually abuses his son. Yeah, the son sexually abuses his father. Yes, um, from a young age. From a young age. Um, yeah. and he plays with this idea of a father who's like confused because he feels like he's, I don't know, like he he's, feels like it's his fault to some extent, right? Because I mean, it's that's the power disparity, right? The power disparity is he's the father, he has the power. But in this flip script version of it, it's not true. Yeah. Right. And so his son, you know, there's uh, he, this continues into his son's adulthood. It's um, it's super. It's hard to watch. It's, it's super disturbing. It's not fun. Um, um, one even one, even at the the son's wedding, the yes. son pulls his father aside <sighs> around the back. Yeah. And like just so uncomfortable and so horrific to watch. And so one of the plot points is the dad writes this book telling all this stuff and talking about yeah. it right and then the son finds out about the book and essentially rips into him and says you know uh this was both of our fault this wasn't just me am i yeah. just some monster and you're a victim blah 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 basically basically victim blames his father yes right and gaslights his father and stuff mm-hmm. like this and then there's like a scene of you find out that the mother knows about it, but can't really do anything about it. Right. She hears the father screaming in another room at one point, and just ignores it. Yeah, uh, I mean it's 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 the it's the most dysfunctional family you could imagine. It's deeply <laughs> unpleasant to watch. It's, yeah, like, it's super disturbing. And and so the punch the the climax of that movie is the father eventually dies. He runs out in front of a bus. He runs in front of a bus, gets hit. The son after- is devastated yeah. yes. with the loss of his father the son is devastated because he loves his father yes and then after the funeral for the father the mother approaches the son and confronts him about all this stuff right and then they get into a shouting match and he's his mother slaps him and he slaps her back and then they end up fighting and, and his mother ends up stabbing him to death. stabbing him to death with a fire poker yeah. and that's the and then she burns the father's book 
Yeah. And that's the that's it's the a movie. revenge story. It's a revenge story. And so who um just Jesus. so not fun. I mean So this movie like yeah. it's so well done. Yes. It's beautifully shot. No question. Beautifully a- acted. Yes. Um if that's the only thing he had made um <laughs> I would have walked away with it thinking what's wrong with this man? Yes, of course. Uh, why would you make this um and I have a feeling like all of these things probably stem from some personal trauma. He said as much. Yeah. About He's, hereditary. Yeah. But he won't go into what no. the specific, which is understandable. Yeah. From if what it's I understand, dramatic. he's like, he's like, I've never depicted anything on screen that's happened to me. Yeah. But these are all very personal to me yeah. for very specific. Uh, yeah. Specific and he reasons. said something like, the feelings are, the feelings you know, are, are, yeah, our feelings I've had or something. Yeah. This film in particular. Uh, has no distance. It gives you no distance no. from this stuff. I mean, no. th- you know, this it's is not. It's not hard genre. No, it's not hereditary where you get a third act where it's like, oh, it was the devil the whole time. Yeah. Um, no, it's just it was about not the devil. No, it was not. It was, it was just about a, a, a deranged yeah. young man, abusive, and, and yeah, a father who let it happen. Yeah, um, and and is traumatized by it, and then eventually kills himself because of it. Yeah. Like it's it's dark cool movie <laughs> yeah cool movie man um i think uh culturally something that's really interesting about this movie mm-hmm. um the family's black right right and um from what i understand after this movie came out first of all it got him an agent um, yeah after this movie came out it actually went viral for a little while yeah um and there were a lot of memes regarding it interesting um and a lot of it was racially charged oh um so the the idea was what are what are you trying to say about um, the black community? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure that's something that crossed his mind. Yeah, um, his thought was, uh, this lead actor is yeah. somebody I know and trust. This is who we're using. This is who we're, we're using, using this guy for the lead. Um, yeah. So, but I, I think there was a lot of controversy around this yeah. regarding the fact that he chose to use a black family, which makes and what sense. that means. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're in America and you're a white filmmaker. Right, and you're making a film that is primarily about a black family, you have to at least consider the question of right. race, right? So automatically, yeah. you're, you're going to think that. Um, yeah, and I, f- I feel like his intentions were were actually probably pretty pure in the sure. sense that he's like the best actor got the job. Yeah, yeah, um, and and it was an actor that he had worked with. Yes, and he said he was talking. That was, I think, one of the guys that he was talking to when they came up with the concept for the film itself. Right, was like, what's the worst taboo? thing ever right um, taboo is a great word for yeah for Ari Aster yeah it really is yeah um and so yeah I mean I heard him respond to that and you know I mean what do I know as a white person about this but to me from my experience like his response made some sense where he was like I wouldn't presume to say anything about the black experience in America I knew I wanted to use this lead and so therefore we used black actors to make the family right like, and if and if you're if you're in talks with an actor about something this intense yeah and yeah. the actor is feels that they want to contribute to your project. Right. Right. That's who you should use. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're yeah. not just going to sure. hire any actor to play this character. No, it's, that's an intense thing. It's too to, much. Sh- it's too much just to act <sighs> to ask just someone to God. do. It yeah. has to be somebody who is a creative partner, I think. Yeah. And so that that was a really who that was a 
intense thing to watch. I mean, I suggest watching it if you're in the headspace to watch it. Um, because yeah. it's it's very very well done. It's masterfully done. If you like Hereditary and Midsummer, yeah, I think it's a nice insight into yeah the work that is Arias. Definitely. So let's let's talk. Use the Johnsons to then go on and talk about Midsummer. Then okay, because there are a lot of similar themes. Yeah, trauma, uh, depression, anxiety. Yeah. all these things play yeah, in. I I I left Midsummer not knowing how I felt about the movie. Yeah, same. Um, since I've decided i love it <laughs> yeah um i think i think it's kind of genius um and and the reason i i feel that way is the same reason i feel specifically about hereditary just for for different uh-huh. um different genres so yeah. it's a breakup movie yeah it's it's a it's a it's a folk horror movie mm-hmm. i guess yeah about um uh, a boyfriend girlfriend and mm-hmm. his his college friends his phd college friends uh-huh. who go to this place um kind of to study yep. but also just to, to go to this festival do drugs and whatever. people are gonna get people are gonna die people are gonna right? die. Yeah. um they don't know this going in obviously they don't know this going but, in um yeah. but um so essentially that happens uh all of his friends die Let, let's just go through the plot real quick yeah d- yeah all of that. his friends slowly get killed because they're just disrespectful yeah they disrespect this community right they're not a great group of people not a great group of people and the way this community lives and works like it really doesn't feel like a big deal that they're killing these people it's just like you can't come here and do this but we can utilize you for our sac like we can we can use you and there is one guy that's just pissed off and ready to kill one of these americans yeah yeah it's true um so that happens uh the uh the some weird stuff happened between the uh the the girlfriend and the boyfriend the yep. boyfriend is is chosen by a younger uh woman to be yeah drugged and uh essentially mated with mated with yeah. in front of a bunch of people which is yes. strange w- one of the scene. yeah oddly comedic scene Funny, but yeah. really uh, but dark unsettling still. yeah and then the girlfriend becomes a uh the May Queen. The May Queen. Yeah. Um, she wins a dance. She wins competition. a dance competition. <laughs> yeah. She becomes the May Queen. Yeah. And then uh, she gets the choice of the last person to sacrifice mm-hmm. at the end, and she chooses her boyfriend yeah. after having seen him mate with this girl. Yes. Um, and he's been. It's important to say that's the straw. That's the less that's the last the straw. straw. Exactly. He's been shitty all the way through. Not like evil and abusive, yeah. but inattentive. You know, doesn't listen. Doesn't communicate. Yeah. Doesn't take her feelings into account very much yeah. this kind of thing so um, yeah. the movie starts off as a uh, again a, a really family trauma yeah. traumatic yeah um and we'll, we'll kind of get into this stuff in a minute yeah it kind of becomes like kind of a creepy horror movie mm-hmm. and it ends the third act is a fairy tale yeah it's it a straight complete. up she's a straight up deranged disney princess yeah um, even to the point of like uh, the the colors used, um, the fact that the the very last thing that happens, it's also she, she kind of it's like you know like when you 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 leave a bad relationship, mm-hmm. you you take a box of your of your your boyfriend or girlfriend's things and you burn it. Oh yeah, like that's how the movie ends. Yes, that's a good point. It um, is because that's essentially what happens, right? She chooses her boyfriend. They stuff him inside a hollowed-out bear carcass, and they yeah. burn him in a barn. 
So that's all yeah. the stuff that happens, right? Yeah. Um, so this is important to note. Yes. That uh, the reason he wrote this movie, he was approached by investors slash producers mm-hmm. to make a folk horror movie. Yeah. About in the, in the style of Wicker Man. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It needs to be a Swedish yes. style midsummer festival where yep. Americans get killed. Yep. He said no. <laughs> Standardized horror movie setup. Yeah. He right? said. He Hostile. said. He said thanks, but yeah. no thanks. Yes. Um. Then he goes through a breakup. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, he doesn't say much about it. He's like, yeah. he's like, I don't know if she knows I wrote a broke up mov- breakup book movie about her, but these yeah. characters aren't us yeah. by any means. But breakups suck. He's like, it feels yeah. like he's like, it feels like your world is ending and your life is changing yeah. dramatically. So he has an in with how to write a folk horror movie that. In the first frame of the movie, you know what's going to happen. That's right. You know that these Americans are going to go there, yes, and get killed off one by one. Because it's he, a folk horror movie, and yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. But he's like, he's like, whatever. You know that's going to happen. I don't care about that. Yeah. This is a breakup movie. Exactly. This is about a girl who's who's in a nutshell. This movie is about a girl who is in a not not a maliciously abusive, abusive relationship, but she's she's in a gaslighting relationship. Yeah in a relationship with a guy who's who's is too much of a coward to yeah. to break up with her yep. and then her her sister at the beginning commits suicide by taping an exhaust pipe from a car to her mouth yeah. and then feeds other pipes into her parents room so. kills herself and yeah. this girl's parents yeah and that's the movie starts with Danny Florence yeah. Pugh's character losing her entire family yeah overnight and the trauma of that Right. is told in about two scenes at the very yeah. beginning. And you see, yeah. like, right away, like, there's this conversation between, like, this boyfriend, Christian, and his buddies, and then her talking to another girl about how, like, these people shouldn't be together anymore. Yeah. Um, he doesn't love her. Yep. Um, he's afraid to break up with her. Yep. Um, she doesn't know what to do. Her sister has had some trouble and doesn't know what's going on. Her family is killed and taken away from her overnight, and then christian's stuck yeah he's like I, there's no way i can break up i with can't her. break with up with her after this no um he's like now we're stuck for good yeah <laughs> right because yeah. this this he's like she lost everything yes I, and and then he was going to go on this trip without her until she finds out about it and then they're like oh, well we, we can invite her she won't want to come anyway and then she sure. decides to go yeah yep so the movie is about a girl just like any disney story starts a girl being orphaned a kid being orphaned yeah but then eventually finding her family yes so yeah so midsummer is i i don't like it as well as hereditary i don't think it's as strong of a film for me yeah um because i think potentially one of the downsides of of midsummer is that while very often his blending of different genres and feelings and all this stuff can be a real strength. Mm-hmm. I think that, at least to me, and Midsummer is better than most movies, let's say, obviously, right? But I think in terms of his body of work, I think it's not one of the strongest 
works that he's done where he blends between because some moments are funny some moments are scary and some of this might have to do with the sort of marketing push of midsummer because it was coming off it was coming pretty quickly actually off of hereditary i had seen hereditary and loved it so so much and i didn't know who ari aster was but i knew that i was excited about whatever came out right and so then they have this trailer for midsummer that really pitches it as a horror movie right yeah. it pitches it as a horror movie where everything's bright and so that was the yeah. thing right it's going to be you're going to see everything and sometimes that's worse or whatever it is right and so when i went to see it it was interesting and it's a psychedelic movie and it's a movie about the blending of fantasy and reality you know it's all these kind yeah. of things and it's sort of darkly funny in parts um but it didn't have that sort of horror movie hook Sure. Um, that I thought it would, given the marketing. Well, no, it's so, it's a breakup movie. Yes, exactly. It's not a yeah horror. It's it's yeah. a straight up deranged breakup movie. Yes, yeah, um, and it has horrific moments in it. Yeah, right. It has things that are scary in there, but it also has funny things and things. I mean, overall, it's uncomfortable. I think. Yeah. Um, which breakups are, and sure, he's good at conveying these types of uncomfortable emotions and stuff like that. Um, this this reminds me of that point that I was making earlier that he does. He really showcases here, right? Is the notion that showing someone grieving, especially, which is sort of his forte, showing someone grieving or showing someone in pain and making really distinct vocalizations about it, right? Like crying, weeping, and just sitting on an actor who's really skilled while they do that yeah. can really affect that in the audience. In yeah, it, ma- it makes you sick to your stomach. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And in this one, he do- I mean, it's in Hereditary 2, it's in, it's in Turtle's Head, it's in a lot of his stuff, but this is one where he really makes it a plot point, right? Because this sort of cult or community, whatever you want to call them, <coughs> when they grieve, they grieve literally together. Yeah. They all scream and wail at the same time yeah. as a sort of catharsis. And there's, spe- there's one specific moment um, when, when Danny has kind of had enough. Yeah. She's seen her, 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 her partner yes. mating with somebody in front of all these other people. Just so yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, through a keyhole. And they're both, they're both on drugs. They're both on psychedelics yeah. out of their mind the whole time. And she, she basically... You know, is just weeping, snotting, just like yeah, just the lowest point. The low, her lowest know. point, and yes. is just like after she's lost her whole family. Like this is just yeah, yeah. And she's surrounded by other women from the community, and they're all mimicking her wa- like wailing and yeah. her screaming. And it's really unsettling it to is. see. Yeah, but at the same time, and I've actually scoured Reddit before with this movie when it came out. I saw a lot of people who uh, basically said there have been so many times where um, I've felt so alone in my relationship that all I wanted was someone to cry with me. Absolutely. And they're like, that's the most cathartic scene I've ever seen on... Yes. ...thing I've ever seen on screen. Yes. ...is to have this... And there's something very genuine about, about these people doing this. Yes. This is how they live. He does not... That's one thing that's really interesting. And they're, really, tr- they're feeling what she's feeling. Yes. Th- th- this is one thing that really messes with the sort of general horror movie tropes that you might see. Yeah. Right? It's not that these put, people put on a really nice face, and then once the, the foreigners are there, they go, ha-ha, we're really evil. Right. You know, this is just literally how they live. Yeah. So I think it's important to say yeah. that... Ari Aster had never has never called these people this group a cult. Yeah, right. The audience calls the group the a cult. The audience, yes, of course. He says he says no, they're not a cult, they're just a community. Right. 
Um, their community with strange practices that involve murdering outsiders sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of the practices that they yeah. do are stemmed in, in research he's done. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. the old, the older people mm-hmm. who are no longer useful will some, in some right. communities do sacrifice, sacrifice themselves, self-sacrifice, self-sacrifice yeah. themselves. But, uh, in his mind, the villain of the story is really Christian. Yes. Um, the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. But not from a malicious standpoint, just from a, yeah. a standpoint of, again, it's the human condition. Yeah. The dynamic between that relationship, if you haven't experienced it, you've seen it. Yeah. You have, if you haven't experienced it personally, you've, you, yeah. you, you, you understand. Yeah. He unfolds these two people like a real life thing in front of you. It, there's, yeah. there's no disconnect between like movie relationship and, and relationships you've seen. Yeah. And I think that's all character and he's just really yeah. good at that. He is good at it. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings up an, uh, uh, a theme that I think I want to tie into this general question about Ari Aster, which is a lot of his stuff. I mean, you said, you know, Christian is the villain. He's the antagonist to some extent. He's not trying to be an antagonist, right? I mean, right. he should know better than to do all this bullshit and to gaslight her and all yeah. this kind of... He should know better, but he doesn't play it as if this guy is consciously being abusive. He's just no. learned these bad communication skills and he's self-serving like a lot right. of people are and he doesn't think about the consequences sure. of his actions in and, regard to her and all this stuff. And we've all done that in various degrees, right? Been selfish yeah. or whatever. And for me, like the reason this movie is so successful yeah. is that... The, the the actor who plays Christian never yeah. plays him like a villain. No. He he studied this character from early on yeah. and plays him as if he's doing his best. Yes. Exactly. Um, and I think you can you can kind of put each character in and it's just this kind of these events that kind of take place because yeah. of all these things. It's not like it's your fault and your fault and your yeah. fault. It's just it's a mess. It's a mess. And that's that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up, which is, I think, and then the end, the ending, maybe you see it as an up ending, maybe you don't, depending on how you read the movie, similarly with Hereditary, whatever. He has this, I think, sort of nihilism built into a lot of what he does. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? It's all ultimately hopeless. I have a good, like, um, I think I have a good quote here about that. Maybe. Let's see. So, never mind. I don't have I don't have it, but I'll paraphrase, right? Where he talks about the mother Tony Collette in Hereditary and how she ends up sacrificing herself as she thinks for her son, right? And he talks about how yeah, she does that, but ultimately it's sort of a meaningless gesture because it might be meaningful character-wise, plot-wise it's a meaningless gesture right. because and I think the quote was there's a malicious logic at play. And so I wonder if there's a sort of nihilism built into him. And maybe it's just because yeah, he focuses on trauma and the, all these dark emotions right. so much that that's how I feel about it. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I would argue that like... And, and what you were talking about, about something being like irrevocable, right? Yeah. There's no redemption after this happens. It happens and it's terrible. The end. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but at the same yeah. time, like... I think if you're viewing Midsummer as a s- extremely grounded thing, yeah. I don't think she would have made the decision she made at the end. Sure. I think she would never have been able to live with herself after yeah. doing that. Yeah. But I think in his world, I think she found her, I think she found her place. It is fairy tale. It's, it becomes it's, fairy tale. It becomes complete fairy tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's symbolic. Yeah. It's it it becomes about the symbol the of symbol. what's happening and not what's actually happening. It becomes less grounded. Yes. Yeah. Just like hereditary in my yeah. opinion at the end. Sure. And so I guess so me, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's this hopeful or hopeless thing yeah. for her. I think yeah. it's like it's kind of the best thing that has happened to her in the whole movie. Sure. We see it from our perspective of yeah. how we see the world. Yeah. Um at the end of this this terrible thing her, her making a terrible choice maybe. Yeah. But I don't know that that's his intention with her. Yeah. I think I think he's just he's just an odd guy. It becomes symbolic at the end or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's okay, so that's my big takeaway question that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. And I want to ask this in relation to Ari Aster, but I think you could ask it in a more general sense as well, which is why is it that we like films, music, books that make us feel these negative emotions? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why do we like things like that? It seems strange. Like, I just want to be happy and have a good time and have a good life. Why do I like things that make me feel bad sometimes? Do you know what I mean? I mean, (laughs) here's the simple answer, William. What's the simple answer? The sugar just ain't as sweet without the sour. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that that's your response. If all you saw was like comedies that that like like the the give and take, the push and pull, like Uh whenever something terrible happens and you cry your eyes out, you feel better afterward. Sure. It's just... Cathartic. It's ca- catharsis. Yeah. 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 And I mean that, that you know, that does make sense to me. But at the same but, time I mean if you think about like yeah, yeah if like a, a straight up horror movie just feeling fear yeah. does something as well, mm-hmm. but it's different. Okay. It's more like we don't experience fear like humans used to. Sure. Like at, at there was a time literally hunted by a predator. Yes. Yeah. I think that horror like generic style horror movies yeah they do that you feel afraid and then you feel stronger afterward for having experienced that thing okay yeah i think with somebody like ari aster it's yeah. it's it's like an emotional level of that do you do you personally actually experience that post film or post art let's use ari aster because that's who we're talking about after you watch one of his films Let's take the Johnsons, for example, because yeah. that gives you no space to breathe. Yeah. Do you actually feel a catharsis after watching that? I don't know that I did. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Not that one. Yeah. No. And I feel like, so I, I'm, I'm curious about like, because Midsummer, to an extent, Hereditary certainly gives you an out. It reminds you to some extent, this is yeah. art, right? Yeah. This is a representation. I'm exploring these things, but these are not really happening. Yeah. And this gives you a little distance or something like this. With the Johnsons, you get none of that. This is what happens. It's terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just... And maybe the answer is, you know, we can appreciate art like that, but we don't enjoy it sure. or something. But I, I don't know. I'm just... I'm curious why it's so good, even though it makes us feel negative emotions. Right. It's probably too big of a question. But yeah, no, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I think the point of some art is to to shine light on areas of Mm. the human condition that we don't like to talk about. Yeah. Something strange about the Johnsons. I don't think Ari Aster was just like super like stoked about like, this is a great, this is awesome. No, no, no. You know, I think he's trying to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it probably stems with, from some sort of trauma that he's experienced. Something has has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I just think that's an interesting and, and more so than like 
trying to get an answer to this question. I mean, I'm a philosophy guy, so like I sure. love questions where we're not really looking for the answer so that we can be done with the question. Engaging yeah. with the question is the important part. And so it's like, I think asking ourselves like, why is it that we make art that makes ourselves feel bad? Like, yeah. is an interesting thing to keep in mind as we're engaging with this stuff, regardless of what, Sure, you know, there's probably no one answer to that question. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think, I mean, that's my takeaway from this guy is like, his art makes you feel negative emotions. Yeah. You know? And that may yeah. be over, overly simplistic, but... No, I mean, yeah. No, I, I get that. And, and he's a master at it. Yeah. And he's a master at what he's doing, and I'd be very curious to see... I mean, to some extent, I think if he makes a dark comedy, that's going to be more disturbing to me than his horror film. Yeah. You know? Hereditary was not disturbing. I mean, it was disturbing in parts, but then in at, taken as a whole piece of art, it's like, I love it. It's fun. You know, yeah. uh, it's about a cult and it's got all this cool stuff and it's got amazing acting and, and it's composed incredibly and the score is phenomenal um, yeah. and all this stuff. But if he makes a dark comedy where I'm like laughing at stuff and then I'm confused by my own body's reaction <laughs> right. to what he's showing me, that's almost more uncomfortable sure. to some extent than just a straight up horror movie. You know, at, to some extent, like the things he makes aren't necessarily entertainment. Right. Um, I think that they're entertaining factors with with midsummer and hereditary yeah um and i think that's why they were successful um yeah and again my reading of midsummer may be completely off from yours and and in mine it's like it's kind of heartwarming at the end in a weird way interesting yeah um because and what's interesting about midsummer is i've seen i've i've either talked to or seen people write about Uh completely kind of missing it yeah and 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 just kind of hating Danny oh. and siding with Christian. Whoa, um, really? And I've seen that a lot. Wow. Um, to where it's like, yeah, she kind of sucks and she like pushed her way into this thing. Like, I'm sorry Ooh. you lost your family, but, Ooh. you know, Ooh. Um, Reddit <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. Reddit sucks. <laughs> checks, uh, checks out. <laughs> um, so for me watching it, like, I think you, he's such a master again. I keep saying over and over again with the human condition and how we experience these things. Yeah. He puts you with Danny through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And at the end where she decides to, it's, he's straight up saying she's, she's burning a box of her ex's things, but it's him in a box. Yeah. Um, and, and, and her, his, his pretentious friends. Well, and, and also this comes to a point that I've made or in conversations we've had off mic about Midsummer, I think, um, I think, you know, that reading, your reading of Midsummer reinforces and it's probably close to the author's intention, right? Which is that it reinforces that it's about character. It's about the catharsis that the character has in that moment. And yeah. you're supposed to feel that catharsis too. You're not supposed to hypothetically write fan fiction about what's going to happen after the credits roll. No. You know what I and mean? that's that's actually a really interesting point is he's yeah. a big he's and he's he's very big in the in in the idea that like if he put it in the movie and if it's on the screen, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. You can ask me questions if you want to, sure. but I made the thing. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. Um, and not even from like a clue, kind of like he's like, yeah. nothing happened before it, nothing happens after. This is, this the, story. is the story. Yeah, sure. Um, and to, I mean, an ungenerous reading of that perspective would be, well, that's a cop out to get out of plot holes or, or you know, potential problems and blah blah. blah. I'm not sure. saying that, but yeah. I'm saying that's a that's an ungenerous reading. But I think his focus on character and character psychology supports that understanding of his artwork, which is yeah. that. It's about the catharsis she feels in the moment. It's not about she's still living there six months later. Like that's not 
that's not the pertinent question. No, I mean, yeah. it's... She doesn't you, exist after the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, know? like, the the worst... The, I think the the worst reviews you've ever read about, or a lot of YouTube... We talked about this before, yeah. but YouTube rev- reviewers, yeah. this movie explained... Oh, yeah, sure. It's all about... <laughs> sure. It's all about the real-world mechanics it's all, of... Yeah, of course. Well, if she did this, How would this, this is really? going to happen yeah. later. Yeah. And uh, I think <laughs> I, I saw one on Annihilation, which is oh, yeah. a really uh-huh. interesting movie. Yeah, it is. But, you know, they're... <laughs> One reviewer, it's like a back to AB, like where this guy's like, okay, I'm going to show you some reviews mm-hmm. and then I'm going to tell you why they're all just nonsense. Sure. He's like, the filmmaker and the writer's trying to actually say something. Yeah. It's like when you paint a picture, yes. is Starry Night, is that a picture of the thing you saw up in the sky? Right. No. No. Yeah. It it represents things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's expressionist it's, to it's some ex- extent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and so it it makes sense that that's you know you want to you're not going to do that make documentaries make documentaries yeah exactly yeah well you got anything else Ari Aster wise that we need to get into or do you want to do you want to rate this guy yeah Um, I I will say he's like uh, this is a quote from him he said I'd love to play in every genre I love romantic comedies yeah I love westerns yeah. I love musicals. I love sci-fi. Yeah. I try to come to everything from a place of character, mm-hmm. obviously. Obviously. Uh, that's my way in. Hmm. Uh, genre, genre filmmaking offers you a structure and a framework. From there, you can play around and find a way to add your signature. Interesting. And I'm, I'll go see anything he makes. Yeah, and I'm, definitely. It, it does make me wonder why I feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just the fact that because I'm also like a writer, a composer, a, yeah. you know, would love to make a movie one day. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's just that his craft and his writing with character is just so good mm-hmm. that that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if I'm if I was approaching these movies f- from some someone who didn't understand the craft. Yeah. If I would feel the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe not. I may just feel like a bummer and not want to watch his stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's one of the interesting things is I, I think that's probably why, like you said, he's not going to go on and direct Aquaman. He's not yeah. interested in directing things that are going to be very widely. I mean, it's widely marketable, but you know what I'm saying to the sort of sure. general population. They don't want to engage with this stuff, yeah. and it's to some extent understandable. It's not comfortable. Um, and I think your point about it not being quote unquote entertainment necessarily is interesting. And if we had another hour, we could dig into it. Right. Cause well, I mean, look at, it's look at art, his, but it's not necessarily entertainment. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going to pull up a list or anything, but yeah. all of his, his, oh, his, 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 his heroes influences and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, our yep. art, art filmmakers, art filmmakers. Yep. For like, sure. He just, he's just one of the lucky ones who, who made a, a horror movie that made a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you want to give him a rating? You want to rate this guy? Yes. Okay. You want to go first? You want me to? I'll let you go first. Okay. So he made one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Hereditary is one of my favorites. Midsummer, I like. It's not one that I'm going to return to as much because it doesn't have that fun feeling for me. That said, I know it's incredible. And his his short films, the amount of tension that he can build in a five-minute segment with characters you've never seen before is truly incredible so master filmmaker no question uh i don't this is not a criticism a moral criticism in any way but certainly he explores elements and enjoys exploring elements that 
I don't really like to engage with. You know what I mean? Yeah. That aren't fun, that don't make me happier or make my day better. Um, and so I don't think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But that is going to pull down his score for me a little bit. Sure. So I am going to give Ari Aster 7.5 out of 10 cut off bird heads. Cut off bird heads. Yep. That's what I'm going to give him. Severed bird heads. Severed bird heads. I, I feel, yeah, I, I feel like if if I wasn't just such a fan of yep. what he would call his signature. Uh-huh, um, yeah. The auteur's signature. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's like the weird pretentious part of my brain feeling like this guy has such a distinct style and, and voice that like, yeah, um, yeah, it does bum me out for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've never left one of his movies thinking... Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, of course. That, when I, He's when, not trying to. Yeah. When my dad and I left Hereditary, we didn't say anything for a while, and we stepped outside of the theater, and we looked at each other, and we were like, I'm going to have to shake that off. Yeah. He, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like, okay, see yeah. ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you right, know, and, and right. you know, he's like, gave us the willies. It made us feel weird. Yeah. It did all these things. Yeah. But over time, any, any movie I've seen of his, like, with distance. With distance. I... I just see it as something other than yeah. what's right in front of you. I guess. Yeah, I get that. Um, but because I'm such a fan, I'm going to give him mm-hmm. 8.8. Ooh. Squeaky sawing sound effects <laughs> of a piano wire oh, God. going through the neck <laughs> of a floating possessed yeah. mother. Ooh. Ooh. That's that sound. Ooh. I was like, when we watched that, I was like, <sighs> what is that? God. What is that? What is it? What is, what is, is it? it? Yeah. And but yeah, before we leave, like, <sighs> That's one of these. That's that movie, and some yeah. people will watch Hereditary and say, "Oh, this is dumb. This is weird. It's not even scary." Sure, right? Sure, sure. People yeah. experience Whatever. things differently. Yeah. Um. I've, I, my dad, when he first went and saw The Witch, yeah, uh, he watched it in a small town, Kentucky. And sure. It was like these two good old boys sitting in front of him. Uh-huh. Got up and left, saying, "This, this ain't, this ain't scary." Right. Nobody's you know? got their head lopped off yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Of course. But there were several times once we leaned through the second act. Yeah. There, there are a few times where I leaned over to Dad and said, "This is really dark." Yes. Um, yep. But then leaning into the third act, yep. you see these creepy old naked people yep. in really weird. You don't. You're always afraid of what you're going to see around the corner. Yep. This. You got this son sitting in bed. The camera just sitting on this guy. Ugh, yeah. He's just sitting yeah. in his bed, and all you can do is just watch him. Mm-hmm. A wide shot. Yeah. This, there's movies full of wide shots, by the way. All, mm-hmm. of, all of his stuff has been so far to where he's yep. like, he's almost painting a picture with yep. the frame. Yep. And then like my eyes start to wander mm-hmm. as he's sitting in bed. Yeah. And then I notice in the upper corner oh, of the room, yeah. there's something. <laughs> yeah. There's something there. Yeah. And then I lean over to dad and I was like, what's that in the corner? He's yeah. Like, he's like, I don't, what, I don't know what you're... I'm like, dad, there's... a." Uh, oh my yeah oh oh my god is that is that the mom <laughs> the hair on the back of yeah. my neck stood up yes. and i got the willies and yeah. i'm like no 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 no, that's not the mom that's not yep. the mom and then it cuts to a closer shot of him yep and then and there she right is. above him god. just her her, her <laughs> she just just yeah. floats right past mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's yep. the worst yeah that movie is and then whenever she's up there floating, sawing uh-huh. her own head off, yeah. and you hear the sound, and, and I'm you like, "No, it's coming." What is that? It What's builds. that sound? What is that? Yeah. What is that? What yeah. is that? It's that feeling of it's like, that, "Oh God, oh God. God, yeah." And then her yeah. head plops off, yeah. And then, and then, you've got this, 
nice little like moment at the end where it's like yeah it is kind of like like the the ends of his his features so far are yeah. calming yeah it's like yeah the bad in a dark the, way the bad terrible thing has happened yeah we're still here yep but it's happened payment's about to enter your body <laughs> yeah. but it's okay this is gonna yeah. be okay yeah it'll be interesting to see if he keeps that trend yeah. up we um, didn't get to talk about talk about the music any but oh true that's yeah. okay Maybe we'll come back and talk talk about yeah. it because it's got. Uh, yeah, I will. I will say quickly that yeah. so far both of his features, he's chosen really out of the box composers. Yeah, uh, the first feature I think his name was Colin Stetson, mm-hmm. um, and he's a woodwindist woodwind player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't. Uh, I would recommend looking up his his solo stuff. Mm. He uh, plays the tenor saxophone a lot. Cool. And he does a lot of runs and and mm. stuff. But with distortion and delay, well, that's fun. It's where you have this, this; it almost feels like this swirling bees, bees and leaves of saxophone notes. Yeah. yeah. And he composed the score for Hereditary. Cool. With the saxophone, the clarinet, his voice. Nice. Um, and that's kind of what he used. That's cool. Um, I think he probably put some strings in there. At did one he point. do Midsummer too? He did not. Mm. The guy that did Midsummer, he goes by the Haxon. Haxon cloak i think Uh, let me check real quick sure Uh, but again another like not a traditional composer yeah he didn't he didn't grab the guy that you know was doing uh uh james wan's next movie yeah yeah Uh, his name is bobby uh k-r-l-i-c i don't know how to pronounce that sure but he goes by the Haxon cloak Hmm. i think one of one of the reasons that he didn't go with the same composer again Midsummer and Hereditary were essentially greenlit at the same time. That's right. Yeah, they were back um, to back. Yeah, and there was like a three-year period of his life where he was either in pre- writing and pre-production for yep. Hereditary production. Mm-hmm. Hereditary ended. Hereditary's in the theater. He's yep. in pre-production for Midsummer, yep. and it was actually a really rushed rushed process. Sure. So it's like had to maybe go with a different composer. I don't know, and I don't. I'm really curious to see what he does next with uh, regarding the composer. Yeah cinematographer was different because of that like because of all these overlapping things sure but that's all nerdy stuff that i don't know if the listeners like oh they love it that's why they come here yeah i don't care what you like yeah this is what you're getting uh this is your medicine yeah uh so we got 7.5 and 8.8 yeah and i can't believe we haven't done this yet but yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, right. it should have. Yeah, been. it should have been that, right? Let's do that. Let's go back and, and yeah. say that was what it was. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of. That's eight point eight. Yeah. Um. So, that's Ari Aster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we put in a good, we put in a good amount of work today doing this. All right. Well, um, this is a DNN podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm the doctor, and that's the maestro. And you can reach out to us on Instagram, Common Creators Podcast, uh, Gmail, Common Creators Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, let us know if you want us to talk about anything. And maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. We'll see. If it's something stupid, we probably won't do it. Probably not. In terms of all this dark, anxiety-inducing, depressive, uh, dark, nihilistic, but also weirdly peaceful at the end stuff, uh, would you say that you concur, Doctor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening, DNN.